Hello and welcome to today's uh, episode of uh, Expert Diaries. Today we have with us uh, Sridhar and Sridhar is going to talk about uh, email deliverability which is specific to Gmail. So uh, today we will discuss about email deliverability best practices and issues which uh, people might face and it will be specific to Gmail as inbox service provider. Before that I would like to introduce Sridhar to all of you. Well, uh, Sridhar has been an email deliverability and anti-spam expert for over 13 years. It all began uh, when uh, Sridhar was working as uh, an AOL postmaster. Uh, during those days, uh, Sridhar was uh, helping legitimate senders uh, with best practices regarding email deliverability and was also ensuring that spams are kept out of the inbox. Then uh, Sridhar has been very instrumental in... Uh, in, in, in providing the best practices and content for uh, AOL Postmasters website. Currently, Sridhar is uh, working as a solutions architect for validity email, where uh, he helps large uh, email senders uh, with email marketing best practices and also sees to it that uh, they can achieve uh, maximum inbox placement. So I have said a lot about Sridhar and now I think it's best that we hear from Sridhar. And before that, I would like to say that for this uh, session, I am also joined by Arvind and Arun from Zoho Campaigns and uh, who are, uh, if they can introduce themselves once. Yes, this is Arvind and I work as a product marketer for Zoho Campaigns and I am a colleague of the host. So we both work together for the same marketing team. Yes. Yeah. Hi, th hi, this is Arun. Uh, I'm working as an associate product manager and for uh, email deliverability alone. And I've been having uh, you know, experience in uh, email delivery for the past uh, five and a half years of uh, things. So I work closely with Sridhar because I, I because whenever I had issues with uh, Yahoo and uh, AOL because I used to you know, get help with it. So uh, I think we can hear uh, you know, a lot more from Sridhar. Welcome, Sridhar. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for the great intro and a pleasure to be speaking with all of you. Thank you, Sridhar. Thanks, Sridhar. And uh, okay, so without further ado, and yes, by the way, I am Sushmit, Sushmit Sen. I am a product marketing associate uh, with Soho Campaigns. And uh, okay, then without much uh, delay, um, there is this first question that I would like to ask to Sridhar that is... Uh, uh, Sridhar, as we know that, uh, you know, different uh, inbox service providers will have their different filtering mechanisms. So when we talk about Gmail, we see that uh, uh, most of the, uh, you know, contact lists, uh, they are, uh, they, they actually have uh, Gmail users. Uh, usually it's 40% or more when we see the contact lists. And when we are talking about uh, Asia, uh, the, you know, the amount of Gmail users in the contact lists, it tends to increase. So I would like to ask uh, you one thing that is uh, how different is Gmail's uh, filtering mechanisms uh, than uh, Outlook or say Hotmail or any other inbox service providers for that matter? Sure, uh, Sushma, that's a great question. And I think the uh, first part is identifying that Gmail filtering is uh, different from the other mailbox providers. So to understand uh, about uh, Gmail filtering, I think first we have to know how Gmail has evolved over the years. And uh, if you guys remember in 2004, when Gmail started, 
uh, their USB was providing uh, one TB mail storage. So uh, we realized that storage is not a problem for Gmail. Uh, if you look at uh, the other mailbox providers at that time, say uh, Yahoo, AOL, Hotmail, uh, all of them had uh, limited capabilities uh, or capacities from providing uh, mailboxes and so on. So uh, they used to rely on uh, IP reputation a lot. Uh, so uh, again, from uh, say a mail filtering perspective. So uh, uh, I'm not sure if you know that 90% of the mail that mailbox providers receive on a given day is spam. So yes. uh, there's a lot of mail that has to be blocked. So uh, what Gmail did is uh, Gmail uh, went ahead and gave, um, apart from uh, blocking the uh, obvious mail, which is spam, they gave a lot. Of, they decided to put the mail either in inbox and spam or spam folder and gave their uh, users the option to move it between them. So basically the user can make the decision. Like if a mail, if a legitimate email from Zoho goes to the spam folder, the user decides to put it back to inbox. So in turn, what they're doing is they're letting the um, uh, filters uh, adapt or learn with all the data points that they're providing. So that's a big thing that Gmail was a differentiator from the beginning. So then there was the IPv6 and uh, there was authentication, the D and DKIM and things like that. So there were a lot of lot more signals that a Gmail or any uh, could look at uh, to make those filtering decisions. And uh, they started relying on domain reputation a lot more than IP reputation. And uh, that's the uh, one of the major things that you have to uh, understand is uh, Gmail looks at both IP reputation and domain reputation. And uh, when we say domain reputation, they also look at uh, the primary factor which decides that is the engagement signals that they get. So your opens, your clicks, uh, your adding to address book, you're moving between from spam folder to inbox. All these are signals that a Gmail um, actually uh, uh, takes into account in, in their filtering decisions. So. Um, again, the other mailbox providers also do this, but Gmail was pretty much early to this game. And uh, they also have a lot of other data signals. So I can give you an example. Like uh, if you are a brand new sender, uh, uh, you're not. Uh, you're just uh, warming up your domain, and in that case, uh, a traditional mailbox provider uh, usually looks at the volume because they've not seen previous history of that domain, right? So, but in case of Gmail, they have other signals they can look at. They can look at the uh, Google side of the world, where you can look at the uh, website ranking uh, or the website how uh, how long has the website been online? What is the kind of page views of the website? So these are additional data signals maybe the other mailbox providers do not have. So. So uh, that's what differentiates Gmail from other mailbox providers. So this is one thing you would keep hearing often is engagement. So they look at those engagement signals a lot more than other providers. Okay. Okay. So uh, yeah, this was a uh, detail. So uh, I would like to uh, you know have like uh, how exactly a sender uh, uh, know uh, whether they have a problem with the Gmail uh, or not. Because if you see uh, Gmail is not providing a traditional feedback loop system like others like you know yahoo or microsoft so it is uh, very hard to you know understand uh, how many complaints they got or uh, you know how exactly it works so uh, how exactly a sender can uh, know whether they have a problem delivery problem with the gmail or not and uh, what are those uh, you know uh, threshold limits yeah 
So uh, yeah, you're right, Arun. There are not a Yahoo. I'm sorry, a Gmail does not provide a traditional feedback loop like a Yahoo CFL or a Hotmail JMRP, which uh, if uh, the senders are not already utilizing it, the other providers they need to do it. Uh, so uh, they don't do uh, have a traditional one, but uh, they they again have other signals that they provide uh, to users. So uh, a couple of things I would list down, like when you're trying to troubleshoot uh, deliverability issues. Uh, again, this might not be limited. To Gmail, but uh, it might be other providers too. So uh, the first thing, apart from the uh, complaint feedback loop, you also need to look at uh, your uh, bounces. So your hard bounces and your soft bounces. So uh, something which I feel that the senders do not utilize from an ESP's perspective is uh, the looking at the actual volume of bounces that they're seeing. So uh, uh, a defense mechanism for most of the mailbox providers, as I mentioned, when you have when most of your mail is spam, the first thing is you start rejecting emails, right? So as a sender, you need to know how many emails are being rejected what are your delivery rates so that's the first thing you need to monitor second is unsubscribes so uh, for a particular campaign how many unsubscribes you're getting so these are things uh, which uh, are apart from the uh, feedback loop that I mentioned. So uh, the other uh, major thing at uh, Gmail is Google Postmaster Tools. So uh, this is uh, again, which I uh, highly recommend all senders should uh, utilize if you have a whole, uh, if you have a big uh, Gmail subscriber base. And uh, the uh, easy part of uh, Gmail, uh, Google Postmaster Tools is that uh, a domain owner can go ahead and uh, register for this service uh, at postmaster.google.com. And uh, you don't have to rely on your ESP to set it up for you. So uh, again, so it's pretty, uh, yeah, once you, uh, so that is one a major thing I would uh, recommend. So apart from this, there is of course your engagement data. So uh, your traditional engagement data, like your opens or whatever. So uh, say for example, uh, when you're trying to troubleshoot your delivery issues, your delivery rate might show uh, 98% delivery. So you have to, uh, but if your opens are say about 10%, so definitely there is some issue, right? So that's where uh, maybe there's a, a large person of emails going to uh, the spam folder. So those are things you have to keep in mind when uh, troubleshooting Gmail. And uh, of course, uh, there are other third-party tools like Return Path or 250OK and uh, things like that. So uh, which you can uh, look at uh, the last mile deliverability, like how much mail actually went to inbox versus the spam folder. So uh, I believe there, uh, again, Gmail uses a lot of signals when they make that decision uh, of placing a mail inbox. So as a sender, you also have to look at a lot of signals, not just maybe one complaint feedback loop uh, while making those decisions. Okay, okay. so uh, uh, like you said, uh, uh, senders should uh, you know look at uh, various uh, data points, like you know what are the data points that we need to look or uh, email sender should look in a Google Postmaster tool to know um, the threshold or uh, you know uh, where the problem is. So what are the, what are the various that uh, you know senders look at in Google Postmaster tool? Yep. So uh, Gmail does uh, provide uh, the uh, traditional uh, metrics that you look at. Uh, so uh, if you're looking at your spam complaint rate, that's something which uh, Gmail uh, Gmail provides and Google Postmaster tools. They provide around IP reputation and domain reputation. So uh, that's again pretty uh, valuable uh, data point. So uh, overall, uh, I think um, there's also the authentication results. Uh, that's also pretty important. Getting to know what is your DKIM and SPF and DMARC and so on. So uh, 
again, uh, there are no, uh, uh, say, set thresholds, but there are some industry standards when we look at uh, the spam complaint rates and the bounces and so on. So if you have about less than 0.2% complaints, that's supposed to be uh, a good uh, place to be at. Um, again, from a bounces, uh, less than 4% bounces is a good number to have as a benchmark. Uh, having said that, uh, in Google Post Master Tools, again, uh, your reputation is uh, divided into four different bands. So uh, you can have uh, high, medium, uh, low, and uh, bad reputation. So uh, if you are at a um, high reputation, your thresholds might be a little higher. But if you are in a poor reputation, then uh, maybe you don't want to even hit that 0.1% uh, complaints, or you don't even want to hit 2% hard bounces. So uh, uh, again, the um, uh, thresholds would be a little dynamic. It might change based on your reputation. So you would just consider that like a, a credit score, like whatever score or band that you're in based on that is uh, how much you can uh, play around with the numbers. So uh, yeah, that's the uh, traditional uh, metrics or that's the uh, things that I would look forward, uh, look look at uh, Google Postmaster tools. Okay, okay. Um there is one thing that I have often noticed uh, when I have checked Gmail, that is uh, Gmail has a number of folders. It might be social updates, the actual inbox that people want to send emails to, they, they expect that to be the destination. And then there is this particular folder called promotions. So what I wanted to ask was, uh, is that promotions tab that bad? And if it is like, if it is not also, uh, what what decides whether one marketing email gets into that tab? Okay, so uh, this is one of the most common asked questions and uh, it's a little frustrating question too because uh, yeah. one thing we have to understand is uh, promotion staff is inbox. So it's not a spam folder. Your mail is still going to the inbox. So uh, that's the first thing that the senders have to understand. Now, uh, having said that, I understand that uh, there's been that shift uh, in uh, a sender's mindset that uh, uh, if my mails are in inbox, I would get higher engagement rates and things like that. Uh, but uh, over time, uh, uh, people have understood uh, the uh, filters have uh, evolved to make that decisions, uh, making the right decisions of putting that inbox, the mails, whichever are marketing emails in the promotion and maybe personal one-to-one -one emails in the inbox. So uh, filters have evolved over time. And uh, the as a sender, also, uh, we have to uh, understand that if a user is uh, uh, going ahead and uh, creating this, uh, uh, enabling those uh, tabs, uh, they are smart enough to understand that, hey, if it's a promotional email, why is it coming in my inbox? So uh, there's a lot more chance that your email will get marked as PAM if a promotional mail is uh, coming to inbox because that's not what the user is expecting. Uh, you have to understand uh, the, how this has evolved. Uh, earlier, uh, as a user, I used to create filters based on, uh, or folders uh, based on the from address and things like that. So. Uh, uh, pretty much Gmail has all those signals. Uh, I remember in the earlier times of uh, uh, in uh, AOL, when we used to do the IP reputation, we used to classify each mail as transactional notification, government, and so on. So there's so much data that's been fed into these filters. They're able to, they're just making the job easier for as a user. So when the, uh, the tabs came up, I was really happy. I don't have to do it manually. So uh, when we have uh, uh, Gmail providing this, we have to utilize it rather than trying to fight it. So don't try to get to that inbox, just 
leave it up to the filters and uh, leave it up to your subscribers where they want the mail. So if they feel that your mail has to go to the primary tab, they would move it to the primary tab. That's an option that's available, right? So uh, that's about uh, promotion. So the uh, second part of the question, how is it uh, being, uh, how is it being classified as a, um, different tabs, right? So um, that's again, uh, one thing as I mentioned, uh, Gmail has all those data signals and they look at the actual uh, content of the mail. So uh, Gmail has uh, a natural language processing engine where it looks at the uh, actual content of email apart from the other attributes in the email. Then of course they have their machine learning uh, 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 capabilities too, which could classify the email based on the uh, data signals. So. Um, we don't have to worry about it. Gmail has already evolved, and I understand a lot of other mailbox providers are also uh, providing uh, a similar either uh, uh, inboxed or a focused inbox and things like that. So this uh, this is something which is going to evolve over time. The um, other thing uh, when I mentioned about uh, that uh, when we speak about tabs, we have to keep in mind is uh, there was a study done by 250OK where we saw only one fourth of the uh, Gmail users actually enable tabs. So you're still uh, there's a still large set of users who are still getting those mails in the inbox, right? So uh, that's what's you need to look at. You still don't need to worry about the whole uh, tab. There's again uh, a lot of mail clients like Apple Mail, Outlook Mail, which does not have a tabbed uh, mailbox structure, right? So. Uh, I would rather look at how to leverage the uh, promotions tab. Mm. So if your mails are going to promotions tab, why not use Gmail annotations, which has been ruled out for this particular purpose. So if you have emails which are having any offers or deals and things like that, you can utilize this uh, JSON script, which is available and uh, ensure that comes up to the top of the promotions tab. So uh, I would uh, rather ensure mails are going to my uh, the inbox than the spam folder that's the bigger fight i'm trying to do rather than uh, trying to look at a hey, uh, which tab uh, the uh, the mail is landing in true sure, sure. thanks Trita. that was very clear but still i have a follow-up question it can be a bit ambitious also so i find several people discussing about the um you know the usage of urls and they feel that if, if they are using say three or even four or five URLs, then that is the main reason for an email to land in the promotion folder. Is it true? And if yes, how far is it true? Okay, so uh, first I would like to uh, uh, bust the myth. Uh, it's not true. Uh, and uh, of course, there are no magic numbers uh, mm -hmm. when we say the one number of URLs and things like that. So uh, that's, uh, I would rather look at the uh, quality of the URL than the quantity of the URLs in the email. So when I say the quality of the URLs, you have to understand where the URL is going. Is, a, is it a URL or uh, is it a, a website that is under, uh, that you're managing? So you don't want third party URLs or URL shorteners in your uh, email. So uh, those are the things that I would look at um, I would not place much importance on the number of URLs I think uh, there's a uh, uh, Gmail we know for a fact that if uh, a mail uh, is beyond a certain uh, size then the uh, mail gets uh, clipped or the content gets clipped so that is something which um, I would uh, look at rather than the number of URLs so uh, that does not matter at all. Uh, there are other things you need to look at that uh, you have, uh, the URLs are specified out, the HTML is uh, correct and uh, it's been uh, coded properly. Uh, and 
in, maybe include a text version of uh, the uh, the content along with the HTML version uh, because uh, it, uh, of course there's a lot of clients which are uh, 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 disables uh, the images uh, by default. Uh, also, the filters uh, like to have uh, the text version and the URL spread out rather than looking at maybe a base64 or uh, some other uh, version or a UTF uh, past email, right? So uh, I would look at uh, that's what I would stress at uh, rather than the volume of URLs. Sure, okay, sure. Uh, okay, Sridhar, like continuing from where Arvind had said and what we were discussing earlier, that is, uh, see, most of the emails that someone receives per day, it goes into the spam folder. So Gmail has a specifically uh, different way of spam foldering. So Gmail usually doesn't uh, mark, uh, you know, uh, many emails as spams. But uh, like, how should the email marketer see to it that they are uh, on they are on the positive side of spam foldering and they don't get marked as spammers? And also, there is one more thing that is uh, when we are talking about spam, we also take into account that uh, how much active uh, is the recipient, is the subscriber. So that uh, inactivity, uh, as well as engagement, it also determines uh, how much, uh, you know, the emails are accepted or not. So what is, uh, if you can talk more about how uh, the, you know, how the email marketer can understand that, uh, how, how, like, what should be the criteria in terms of days and in terms of engagement rate, which can help one determine as to which, uh, subscriber is inactive and which subscriber is active and further you know sure. be safe yep yep great question so uh again uh, i don't have any magic numbers over here so i would have to again uh, just speak anecdotally with whatever we have seen uh so uh first thing about um mails being uh, landing in spam folder and so on uh, uh what I, I usually tend to say is um your uh um, the destination of your email or where your email is going to, going to land uh, is decided even before you hit the send button, all right? Because it starts from the whole uh, mailing list. Uh, how have you acquired the list? So you know there's this single opt-in, double opt-in, or for all you know, a purchase list and so on. So uh, the quality of your list is uh, the first important thing that you have to keep in mind. So uh, there are a lot of ways you can go ahead and validate your list to ensure that the obvious typos and so those kind of things can be taken care of. So uh, that's the first thing I would look at. Uh, the second uh, is your actual uh, audience. Uh, so uh, there's something which, uh, which you mentioned about uh, engagement and what is active users and so on. So um, again, uh, 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 industry best practice or threshold we've seen is somewhere around 90 days is supposed to be a good number to be uh, with an active audience. So uh, I typically ask all our senders to create segments of different users, okay, based on engagement. So you can have your 30 days, 60 days, 90 days uh, active users, and I call them your reputation superheroes. So if you are having a lot of spam folders, uh, you can uh, maybe uh, suppress the older addresses and maybe just send to the 30-day audience. So there is that improvement in reputation. Gmail knows that, hey, you're sending to a, a much uh, active audience or user base. So that's one thing we have to uh, understand with Gmail, or uh, especially with Gmail, since they look a lot more at engagement, uh, is ensuring that 
uh, you are uh, always sending to an audience which are actually interacting with your emails. Right? So, uh, apart from that, uh, I would recommend uh, also when you, when you have gone ahead and created different segments, there's always going to be one segment which is going to be older addresses which have not uh, engaged with your email for say X number of days. So then you might want to look into your uh, sunset policy, uh, looking at re-engagement campaigns, uh, trying to um, look at that audience if they want to organically be part of your mailing list or just if they want to um, just be, uh, uh, get uh, removed from the list. So uh, these are things that you need to, and this has to be periodical. It's, it's not a one-time exercise you do and then forget for two years and then come back and uh, fix it only when you have trouble with a Gmail uh, or when your mails are going to spam folder at uh, Gmail. So uh, again, there are other a lot of other ways to uh, get your emails engaged with your uh, audience, create journeys, as simple as a welcome journey that a lot of senders do not utilize at all. But there's so much benefit in having that, just a single, uh, so you can have your uh, cart abandonment journeys. And so uh, the idea is to keep your uh, users engaged with your email. So apart from the best practices that you can follow with uh, the engagement, look at the content side of your email also. How can you make your email um, Ensure that your email um, is, uh, say, the creatives of the email uh, engage with the email, uh, with your audience a lot more. So uh, those are a few things that you can ensure to keep make sure that uh, your mails do not go to spam folder. And if it goes to spam folder, how to get out of it? Thank sure. you so much, Sridhar, for the answer. Yeah. Yes, Sridhar, you just hit the nail on its head. So you were talking a bit about automated emails, journeys, creating journeys, and then engaging and then leveraging the I mean, the list that people have. Uh, I mean, as an add-on, I would like to mention that we are achieving two important factors using automation. One is you are creating time-based engagement. I mean, you can set time as to when the email should be launched after the first email or the second email. And also it can be tweaked in order to meet the engagement metrics of people. For example, if someone has opened a particular email, then this email should be sent to them. If he has clicked, then this email. So we are achieving uh, both the factors there, I think, time and also response-based engagement. Yep. That's a great observation. So um, I, I'll, I'll speak about this from a deliverability perspective. So as mm -hmm. I mentioned, Gmail uh, does look at uh, the uh, engagement and how uh, frequently your users have been engaged with email. So uh, just having these journeys in place uh, not only lets the filters know that you are sending to uh, an engaged audience, so it, it just improves that reputation. And there's always that benefit of having uh, that great reputation. So as I said, that Gmail annotations and things like that. So so uh, just utilizing Gmail annotations might not create that card at the top of the promotions tab. You have to have a good reputation. Uh, you have to be at the top of your reputation. Only then uh, you can utilize all that. So that's where uh, having all these uh, uh, journeys and uh, other uh, things that you mentioned helps. Yes, yes. Thanks, Trita. Okay, now moving on to a different topic. So let's assume that I am an email marketer maintaining very good email sending domain reputation okay now when i am entertaining thoughts of moving to a different email marketing platform esp that is what should be my checklist how can i make the transition very smooth that is moving on from one platform to another platform 
Sure. So if you already have, uh, say, an established reputation at a particular mail, uh, ESP and you're moving to another one, uh, the first thing uh, about, uh, even though uh, you have a reputation, you have to do a, a warm-up because your uh, infrastructure has changed a little bit, right? Uh, because you're traditionally sending from one IP and one domain combination, and then suddenly it's moving on to another one. So for Gmail, uh, that's a, a new signal. So you have to uh, do a warm-up where you have to go slowly. So I wouldn't obviously say do that switch all of a sudden. Let it be a very gradual where you start uh, with a very slow volume. Uh, and before even you start with that slow volume, uh, you have the, uh, the first thing you have to make sure is from infrastructure wise, uh, you, uh, you have everything in place. That is your authentication. So is your SPF, DKI, I mean, if you're utilizing DMARC, all of those uh, uh, things are in place. So uh, when a mailbox provider like Gmail sees traffic from a new uh, place, they at least know that it's authenticated traffic. So authentication, uh, looking at uh, the volumes, starting with a low volume. Uh, the third thing is uh, send to your most engaged users from this new place or new US ESP that you're sending. So just don't take like 10% of your uh, complete mailing list and start sending uh, from the new infrastructure. Make sure that 10% is your top 30-day uh, openers. And uh, try to shift them so you at least know that uh, there's going to be a brand affinity from those users. Uh, even if it's coming from a different in infrastructure, they are going to interact a lot more with those emails. So uh, apart from that, I would also say other thing uh, that you need to uh, monitor is Google Postmaster Tools. So uh, once you have done that transition from uh, one ESP to another ESP, looking at the signals in Google Postmaster Tools, like is your authentication all right? Is the domain reputation dropping? So uh, another thing that I missed earlier when speaking about Google Postmaster Tools is that uh, the data we see there is not real time. It can be, um, uh, uh, there can be a delay of uh, about 48 to 72 hours. So uh, you should always look at that data from that perspective. So space out your campaign in such a way uh, that uh, you give enough time for those monitoring uh, tools to update. Uh, so apart from that, uh, I would say that it can take anywhere between two to four weeks for uh, a traditional switchover. It can take much longer than that, but a minimum of four weeks for you to transition again depends on the volume of subscribers you have. Uh, so that's the amount of time frame you need to do uh, give uh, for a uh, uh, switchover from one ESP to another ESP and a, a, a proper warm up to happen. So the secret sauce is warm up the IPs that is being assigned by your ESP. Start off slow, build a reputation, and then go through the gears. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, Trick. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I have a follow-up question. Uh, you know, uh, in uh, in this authentication setup. So does DMARG and now Bimi are the hot topics, as you know. Uh, how important are they for inbox placement? Will my inbox placement increases if, if I complete the authentication? So uh, your thoughts on this? Sure. So agree, uh, Bimi is a hot topic at the moment. So uh, coming back to DMARC, uh, we have to understand uh, DMARC actually has three policies, uh, P equals none, P equals quarantine, and P equals, uh, P equals reject. So the uh, P equals quarantine and P equals reject are only the uh, enforcement uh, policies. The P equals mo uh, none is actually a monitoring mode. So that does not actually help 
the mailbox providers because they're not making any decision based on your DMARC uh, policy. So the first thing uh, right now as a sender is uh, either starting with P equals none. Uh, there's, uh, you're not going to lose anything by just putting P equals none. So you have to go ahead and evaluate all your email traffic based on that DMARC policy and then moving on to enforcement mode. So uh, the um, advantage uh, as a sender for you by moving on to that enforcement mode is taking care of any kind of spoofing or any kind of uh, brand uh, anti-theft that might be happening. So uh, you're at least letting know the mailbox providers that if the authentication is not in place, they can go ahead and uh, spam folder or reject your emails. So uh, that's, that's the first thing with DMARC. Uh, so again, uh, just having authentication or DMARC in place is not going to uh, ensure uh, inbox deliverability. So uh, for that, uh, all the other signals that we've been speaking for uh, the uh, uh, previous hour is applicable, right? So you need to uh, look at all the other, uh, other things uh, in that checklist rather than just authentication. Of course, authentication is uh, going to help you, but it's again, it's going to help you in uh, protecting your brand and things like that. From a deliverability perspective, uh, there's not much. Uh, of course, having authentication is an additional signal for the mailbox provider. Uh, uh, and uh, they are just going to utilize it in that way. Now, coming to Bimi. So uh, Bimi right now is going uh, being utilized only at Yahoo. Uh, at Gmail, Bimi is uh, a little more complicated. It's still in beta uh, stage. So you need to have an additional uh, VMC certificate if you want to utilize Bimi uh, as compared to uh, Yahoo, where it's just you don't need that. So uh, I would uh, say as a sender, let's uh, you need to first concentrate on getting into a DMARC enforcement policy and uh, Bimi can still wait. Uh, go ahead. Uh, we see some emails uh, when open have an option to either mark email as a spam or uh, hit unsubscribe. How does Gmail decide to show this and why does it not show for all the senders? So what, what is uh, your thoughts on this? Yep. So uh, uh, just getting to the answer, the primary reason is your uh, domain reputation. So uh, Gmail does not decide to show for all the senders. Uh, it again depends on your uh, reputation. So the idea is uh, like earlier uh, uh, days or uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, senders or spammers uh, used to utilize this to harvest email addresses. So as a mailbox provider, you want to provide as much less information to a bad sender and just provide uh, as much available information to a good sender. So that's the reason why you see that as at times you don't have that option. So that's one thing. Uh, the second thing is uh, including a list unsubscribe header. So um, uh, right now, a lot of mailbox providers are stressing uh, that you have a list unsubscribe header. So uh, again, the benefit of it is that uh, there are mail clients like Apple Mail Client and Gmail and things like that, which picks uh, that uh, unsubscribe from that uh, list unsubscribe header and surfaces uh, it uh, to the uh, uh, subscriber or the user. So. Those are the uh, two major reasons why you might see it over there. So uh, coming back again, um, just uh, elaborating a little bit on the uh, list unsubscribe or the unsubscribe uh, uh, option in particular. Uh, so if you, uh, it's good to always have the unsubscribe in the footers, uh, which might legally you are supposed to have it in certain markets, but it's also good to have it in your uh, um, the headers because if there's if you're giving if that option is not there, what will uh, a user do? They are going to mark your mail as spam. So it's rather it's good to have it uh, in both the places. Okay. So 
here. So uh, I have, uh, I think we we uh, we are at the end of the session. I have one uh, one last uh, you know uh, very most important question that I have, uh, which I got you know uh, back to back from my customers and from users. So this is all about uh, banner alerting on the email. So we do see uh, um, emails in spam folder. When I open it, you know we can see the alert banners. So uh, for one particular alert, we see. Uh, most of the emails from this particular domain are marked as spam. So I would say that is uh, due to the domain reputation. Similarly, if an uh, email is placed in spam folder, we see a uh, banner stating, uh, uh, no, uh, this mail is dangerous or uh, uh, this link is not uh, you know, dangerous or something like that. So how do a sender can resolve this issue and how uh, quick they can resolve this uh, domain reputation issue or uh, how they can look at this, these banners and what is the use of it? Sure. So uh, again, as you rightly mentioned, uh, a lot of this is dependent on the domain reputation. But uh, if your mail is already landing in spam folder and um, you see banners saying that, hey, the mail might be dangerous or it's uh, looking like uh, uh, it's been uh, marked as spam before. So uh, yeah, it's a, a right as those banners say, uh, there's a, a lot of different rules which might decide uh why a mail is placed in spam folder uh, apart from your domain reputation being poor so if a lot of users are marking your email as spam of course you're going to see that uh, a banner at the top which says that uh, uh, it basically means that your ip and domain uh, or uh, domain reputation is poor and uh, you are uh, your mail or the content of uh, your mail is receiving a lot of spam uh, or spam hits so uh, that's one thing now uh, the other thing is if your mail says it's uh, uh, looking dangerous. Uh, that's more a phishing signal where uh, basically you have some uh, URLs in the email or uh, uh, something in the email which uh, is looking like uh, uh, other uh, emails which have phishing characteristics. So in that case, you might want to look at the uh, content of your email, check all the URLs, remove uh, any URLs which are not uh, hosted by you and mm -hmm. things like that. So uh, basically take, uh, take a deeper look at the content i can see people who like break down the content of their email and send in different parts to uh, uh, figure or to troubleshoot where exactly the problem lies so there's some effort involved if if it's more a fish related characteristic uh the bigger picture is hey my mails are going to spam folder how do i get how do i uh, get it back to inbox that's the bigger question over here so uh just uh, reiterating whatever uh, that was mentioned previously, right from your mailing list, uh, having a good mailing list in place, looking at your audience, having uh, 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 sending to an engaged audience, uh, and looking at your content, making sure that you send to uh, um, that uh, that uh, your content is structured in such a way that uh, it ensures that uh, your audience are engaged and uh, do, uh, goes ahead and looks and clicks on those CTAs and things like that. Uh, Maybe if you if you're already uh, having a lot of uh, uh, spam, uh, say uh, spam complaints, uh, the uh, unsubscribe option that I uh, mentioned in the previous question, you can add an additional unsubscribe uh, at the top of the emails, just instead of uh, at the bottom of the email. So uh, it's giving an easy opt out uh, for the your, for your users rather than marking those mail as spam. So um, if you are getting spam folded. Uh, I would suggest do not look like a spammer. Uh, follow the best practices and uh, ensure that uh, you're sending mail to people who really want your email. 
transcripts. So how long it will take to fix it, fix the domain interpretation? Yeah, I'm as I mentioned, practices. I'm sure. calling all the practices. So how long it will take exactly for me to fix my domain interpretation? Yeah, I understand. There's a true pain point or a true pain question yeah. for you. So, uh, again, it depends on which band of the reputation that I mentioned in Google Postmaster Tools. If you are in a very poor reputation, it it would take about four to six weeks if you follow all the best practices. So it would it does take time. So it depends on how many positive signals you're going giving back to Gmail for you to get back into the inbox. So look at a, a, a long time frame uh, if you're doing everything all right you should see those uh, you should see the benefit all right thank you and uh, and with that we have come to the end of this session and uh, thank you shridhar for enlightening us on so many topics and so many questions were answered sure my pleasure and, and i'm sure that our email marketing friends will definitely benefit from all these answers and that will also help them with uh, you know continuing their email marketing endeavors in a better way so that they can also achieve maximum inbox placement thank you so much shridhar for uh, you know being a part of this session thank you so much thanks for inviting me thank you thank you so much thank you so much shridhar yeah Bye. i would also like to thank arvind and arun for uh, asking questions and uh, making the session more lively thank you totally thank you thank you, thank you.